keep your sexy thoughts about me and our guests to yourself, no matter how wonderfully perverted they are. Listen to the outro if you want to know how to connect and enjoy. Hello, friends. I am Wyo Lee, and you are listening to Sex Stories, a podcast where we share stories about sex in an effort to shed shame and invite pleasure and hopefully improve our sex lives all around the world. And my guest today is Mia. Welcome, Mia. Hi, thank you. Happy to be here. Will you please tell us just a little bit about yourself? Just give us a quick little snapshot. Sure. I am in my late 30s. I am definitely, definitely pushing 40. I am straight heterosexual. Um, I was married before and I am now divorced. And now I am in a long-term relationship with a really cool guy that is just marvelous. I'm also in uh, Aquarius and I am a creative person. Awesome. So will you just take it back for a moment, way, way back, and tell me your early memories about sex? Like, what's the first thing you remember? Oh, God, just embarrassment and kind of entering a world of my own. When I was growing up, I lived in the rural Northeast, and my mom was, she's one of those people that defines herself as spiritual, but not religious. Mm-hmm. It's really annoying. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, whatever. I don't judge this her thing. I was like, um, it's kind of me, maybe. I don't know. Something I mean, I say that. the same thing, but I'm like, what does that mean? But anyway, that's a total yeah, tangent, yeah, but yeah. I don't need to get on that at all. <laughs> um, my dad was like James Dean, but kind of older and from a really, really small town and afraid of cities and like mm. conversation with strangers, like that kind of guy. He, uh, he drove a truck and he bought and sold campers and he was a painter, um, not artist, but more like houses. A blue collar kind of guy. Got it. Both my parents were dropouts from huge, huge, huge families where everybody was like, you work to live and you feed all of your children that you have. My dad had 10 siblings. My mother had seven. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then with me, it was just, um, I'm the only biological child by both of my parents. My uh, sister was adopted by my dad when she was five. I'm telling you all of this because I think that it it kind of creates an identity of the kind of person that I am without giving too much of an identity away. And so did they give you a sex talk? Not really. My dad didn't really talk to anyone about anything. Like we just Mm -hmm. hung out in the shed and fixed things and did our work. And my mom, she was just embarrassed of everything. You know, she, she caught me one time trying to ask her a question about something sexual. And I was really young, maybe like, maybe like 10 or 11 or something. And she, I can't remember what the question was, but I was asking about genitalia or anatomy or something. And I think I was asking about male genitalia. And she tried really, really, really hard to answer the question earnestly, but I could see like the sheer embarrassment on her face that I had asked her a sexual question directly. Yeah. And she was like, well, honey, babies are made when a man loves a woman and he puts his wee-wee in her private area and they love each other. And that's what happens. And I was like, cool. Oh. That definitely doesn't answer my question, but <laughs> yeah. yeah. And my sister was like, she was just a wild thing. She tried to get out of the house really early and then... She was like the cool older rebel sister because she was about 15 years older than me. Okay. So she moved out of the house really young, got married, got divorced, moved to the city, started partying. And then I would go out and like hang out with her at her apartment. And that was like me learning about the cool things. Like things that my parents did not expose me to at all. So So she kind of was like my sexual mentor. Got it. Okay. And did she give you advice? Did she give you anything that was like, here's shoulds? Like, did you ever get any moral uh, lessons around sex? (laughs) From her, from anyone? Um, no, I, all, of my, all of my mentors were sort of really shameful and 
private and sex is something you don't talk about and you especially don't talk about sex with children. And that was my favorite conversation. I was like, I knew at a very, very young age that I was a very sexual person and I had nowhere to sort of direct that energy because I was shy. I lived in the middle of nowhere and I was terrified to talk to my parents and I almost didn't want to talk to my sister either. But I remember seeing like, she would have guys over or they would like leave or they would stay over and she'd be like, honey, you're going to sleep on the couch tonight, but why don't you put these headphones on and watch the movie? <laughs> so I was like, no, okay. we're definitely listening. And oh, really? Like, like, <laughs> so, you, so you're old enough to be like, I know what's going on. I knew, yeah, I knew what was going on. Um, <laughs> I was like a freak. I, I love to like catch people in a moment because for me it was like, mm. ooh, I'm actually seeing people interact in the wild without my parents' weird influence or my yeah. sister's weird influence. Like That makes a ton of sense to me because it's like, if you're not getting straight answers, if you're not getting the full information, if you're, if they're trying to like shut you out or cover your eyes, metaphorically speaking, it's like, yeah, you're going to be like, no, if I can keep oh, them yeah. open, I'm going to watch. Yeah. It's funny because the, the world that I had in, in my head and sort of like in my own self and the world that I had around me and what I interacted with, they were very, very, very different things. Mm. I, I masturbated very young. I okay. When did you start masturbating? <laughs> Oh, and what did you, wait, what did I, I cut you oh, off. God. What did you discover? No, I was going to say like I discovered, um, I think I heard one of your other, uh, your other people talking about how they would watch the TV fuzz late at night and they were trying to figure out if it was like a body part or if it was porn or if it was just like a movie. Like I remember watching that and being like, I'm picking up that something is happening here. So that part of me was just very rare. But back to the masturbation question, I started when I was... It's like one of my earliest memories, actually, when I was really, really young. I just remember it felt good and I didn't associate it with anything sexual because I didn't really understand sexuality at that age. I just totally. knew that I liked it. And my mom caught me once and she was like, oh, honey, you don't touch your naughty, you don't touch your naughty parts. Don't do that. Touching with your hands. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was like, she- I remember being a little kid and I was like messing around, doing my own thing in my room. And she walked in and caught me. And she called them naughty parts? Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and did you stop? How did that affect God, you? No, I just, I got sneakier about it. Like <laughs> yeah. I would do it in the shower or in the tub. Like I discovered what felt good in the bathroom, like with the, mm-hmm. with the nozzle and everything. I was like, oh, this feels amazing. I'm going to stay here. And then I think that was eventually how I orgasmed actually. Like before yeah. it was always just sort of like feeling it out and enjoying the sensation. But yeah. that was, I think I was maybe, gosh, initially I thought I was maybe closer to 10, but I think all of these stories mentally start when I was 10. Um, I think I was younger than that, probably like Mm -hmm. five or six and Mm -hmm. being in the tub, Mm -hmm. letting the water run down, (laughs) putting way too much pressure on my tiny little six-year-old I mean, yeah, I I had a car seat moment, like that buckle between my legs. I was like, hello, buckle. Totally. I had a moment like that and like my dad's truck in the back roads. Like, yeah, oh, I like this road. So when you when did you start to connect masturbation and orgasm with the idea of like oh this is a sexual thing? Um, it's funny you mentioned that you grew up without TV and I grew up with constant TV. Like my dad was always at home watching TV, and I remember anytime there was something that I shouldn't be seeing, my parents would be like, close your eyes, like put your blindfold on, and I would always just like do this really quickly because they didn't adjust what they watched for me. I was not watching the wiggles and like kid shows. I was watching like Westerns and murder. She wrote like kind of semi mature adult content. So anytime anybody was kissing or 
you know, really close to each other or taking their clothes off or anything, I would have to close my eyes. And of course I wouldn't. And that's when I realized that like, oh, there's something more to this that I'm not supposed to like, but I do. So I, I figured out that it was like, this is naughty and naughty things are things that I like. So I'm going to go after this and like lean into it. When did you start bringing other people into your sex life? And how did that Um, happen? What was it like? Much later. I like all of my friends were much more progressive than I was sexually. They like, I was very comfortable with my world inward, like inside, but, and I knew myself very well, but I had a really, really hard time figuring out how to connect that with another person. Mm -hmm. So if I was, if I saw somebody and I was attracted to them, I would go home, fantasize about it and masturbate. I would not talk to them. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was really shy and really awkward. So like, it was not something that I, I don't know, I was 17 the first time I had sex, bordering on 18. With another person? Yeah. And that was like the first time I had done anything sexually. Really? Yeah. I went straight to like straight all the way. Did you guys have <laughs> foreplay ahead of time? And who, who was it? And what were your feelings about it? So there was no foreplay. It was about as unromantic as it could get in my parents' basement floor. Like on <laughs> a couple of blankets laid down, trying to make it really bohemian and cool and hippie-ish. Like I had a tapestry on the wall. And I was like, come into my sex lair. I will teach you things. I didn't know anything. I knew nothing. I was so yeah. inexperienced. And he was a boy that really liked me. I met him through friends and he went to the school next to ours. So I didn't have to worry about seeing her every day. <laughs> I was very aware of the fact that this was like not somebody that I was going to spend the rest of my life with. It was just like, we're going to do this, just see what happens. So he really liked me and we went on a few dates and we somehow decided, I can't remember how that we were going to have sex. And it was like a week before my birthday. Okay. And I brought him to my house. My parents both worked second shift. Hmm. Convenience. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and um, he came downstairs and I basically attacked him. Like I didn't give him a chance. <laughs> You're like, come here. <laughs> yeah. I tore this boy apart. And then I broke up with him maybe the same week after it happened mm. because I was not impressed. And I was like, oh, okay, well, if this is the way that you're going to be with everything, then good thing I can do better. <laughs> Great. Did you guys do it again before you broke up or were you like one shot and you're done? So no, I think it was just like time to move on when you know, you yeah. know, but after him, I had some amazing sex. Go on. <laughs> Tell me more, please. I had, well, like I said, you know, I was always really sexual as a, as a kid and that yeah. obviously turned into being a really sexual teenager. But again, having a hard time sharing it with people, I was just like, whatever circumstance I found myself in where it was like, if somebody was talking to me or somebody was coming on to me, I would engage, but I would never go out and engage with others. I can relate to that. Yeah. Which I feel like kind of unfairly always puts the pressure on the guy because women don't feel empowered to go out and speak to a guy. I don't know. That's another conversation. I think, I think that is starting to change, but I do think there is historical. It's like women put out the bee. Like yes. we are the flower. They are the bee. We're like, come hither with my stripe. Let me show you right. my petal stripe. And of course it's, my specific experience is more like, you know, this is how I was raised and, you know, don't talk to people about this. Don't bring it up. So there was so much shame in the idea of it that I think that's what sort of framed that interaction for me. But anyway, after, after this guy, I was single for a couple of weeks or maybe a month and um, went to a party with a friend. And this guy was uh, on a break with his very popular, beautiful, marvelous, amazing girlfriend who I was kind of 
friendly with, but not so friendly. Like we had a really small school. Everybody was friendly, but it didn't necessarily mean we were friends. Yeah. And we were drinking and messing around. And he, like, he's the first person that made me realize that sex and fooling around and foreplay, that can all be so much fun. Yes. I, was, I was on such a mission to get to the finish line and be like, this is, I need to know what it's like. And I need to get orgasm and I need to be good at this. Like it was such a contest for me that I forgot to have fun. And he like kind of brought that into my life, which was amazing. How did you bring it in? What did you do? Oh God. Where did did you do it? How many times did you do it? Did it last a long time? Did the each session, did you do there for a long time? Tell me everything. It did not. The relationship really didn't last a long time, but it wasn't really a relationship. It was more like, we knew what it was. A fucklationship? Can we make that a Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that was pretty much every relationship I had until I was an adult. Yeah. I don't think any relationship that I had up until I got married, to be honest, was primarily about becoming interested in the other person. For me, it was like always physically driven, mm-hmm. but I had a one track mind. And it's funny because like, there's this other side of me that was so desperate to be loved, but I was so afraid of the hurt that it was like, it, it was very easy to separate it and just be like, oh, yeah. yeah, let's have a lot of sex. So, <laughs> so anyway, I like, yeah, he just, he would always grab me and like throw me on the sofa and then he would laugh hysterically and think it was funny that he like tossed me around and then like he would go down on me and then put my underwear on, on his head and then you know come up and look around like he couldn't see anything because they were covering his eyes like stupid funny but like, really he just like he made it fun and it was yeah. kind of weirdly innocent because he was just such a goofball but also the the act like the actual sex was really good too so as a really young person who had a really bad experience my first time, like so many people, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really nice. That was a really nice second intro. Amazing. The whole thing. Yeah. Amazing. So you were still in high school then? Yeah. Uh, 18. Where did you guys do it then? Like, were you in cars? Where did, or no, your parents were still working the night shifts? Or? They were working the night shift, but this was my friend's boyfriend's roommate. They had an apartment together. Got it. Okay. That's so we would do the whole mom, I'm sleeping at her house she's sitting at my house thing and then we would go hang out with her boyfriend and whoever else was there and I don't know it was just a really fun environment because we just hung out we played stupid video games and they would play guitar and we would all pretend to be in a band and then like my friend and her boyfriend would go upstairs and they had like a very very grown-up relationship they were so in love and mature and they talked and they like hung out and did things together and I was just like I just want to have fun let's get naked exactly (laughs) So that's pretty much how it was for, yeah, for like a few weeks. It was just hedonism in in this apartment. It was great until my mom showed up at a store step and tracked me out one day. She She, figured it out. Oh, really? Oh yeah. The jig was up. Was she she like, did she say anything to him about what was happening? Because if she didn't want to talk about, or like, what was her, was she upset? No, um, my friend's mother had told my mom that we weren't there and they figured out where we were. And my mother showed up and was like, I can't believe you would stay at a guy's house without asking permission. And you should never ask for permission. This is what for adults yeah. like, you know, yeah. my mother, well, you don't know my mother, but like, she's just this very kind of repressed, shameful, you do the right thing mm-hmm. all the time kind of person. Mm-hmm. She was never really allowed to be pleasure seeking. She always had to kind of take care of my sister from a very young age or take care of her siblings. So yeah. I don't think my mother could relate at all to who I was when I was a teenager. She had such a massively different experience and her introduction to sex was so awful that 
for her to catch her teenage daughter in a guy's apartment who like they're old enough to have their own apartment. I'm sure for her, that was like her worst nightmare. But yeah, yeah. God, it was great for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to hear that they were good experiences for her. And I also can understand how a parent is like, no, keep her. You know, there is this idea of like, keep her pristine, keep her oh, yeah. safe, all of that. She's the good one. You yeah. can't screw her up already. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That's literally what my mother used to call me. It was so awful. The good one? Oh, oh man. Yeah. That's oh, yeah. just a bit of pressure there. Holy well, cow. A bit of pressure, but here I am looking at my amazing sister who I look up to and I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I would love to hear a little bit about your current relationship to sex and kind of maybe bridging some of the gaps in between as they come up. Oh, man. Well, there was a very long marriage in between high school, fun, fun time Mia and adult Mia, two very different people. And my marriage, I mean, it, it lasted such a long time that you, you know, I was, I was so young. I was in my twenties. I was Mm -hmm. so young when I got married and really naive and kind of doing what my sister did, which was just trying to find any possible avenue out of my parents sort of run of my life. So I got married really, really young. And at the time we really liked each other, but I don't think either one of us had any idea what the hell we were getting into. Mm -hmm. And for us, it was like, well, we're friends and this is, this is fun. We like living together and playing house and you make the dinner and I'll do this and we'll do this together. And it was all very safe and very fun and very wonderful. And it gave me all of the validation that I was kind of needing emotionally, but mm -hmm. it was also like the part of me that wanted adventure and to experience the world and to learn more about myself. Like that person kind of dwindled during that time, but it was funny. We didn't, we didn't have great sex. We really, really, didn't. really no. wait, no, no. Going in, did you know that? Because you you had sex with a person for the first time and were like, nope, new one. Yeah. So did it start out good and change or what was it like? I think that it started out much better. And I also was very, very much in love with him with the capacity that I had for love at that time. Mm. So it was the greatest thing that I had ever seen. It was the greatest thing I had ever had. And this guy who adored me endlessly and because he was such a good person, I think it made everything about him more appealing and more enjoyable and more worth it. And my sexual pleasure just took a backseat. Oh. Some, somewhere over the years, it just became not a priority. And we had plenty of sex, but my pleasure was, was never something that I demanded. It was never something I really asked for. And I didn't really know how to ask for it because aside from a few amazing experiences in high school with a couple of different guys who I had I have to back up for a second. There was another guy that I was with in high school who pretty much introduced me to BDSM. Go on. I'm and he worked at the store next door to me at the mall. And he lived a couple towns away. And the first time that I went to his house, he had to tell me how to get around the house because there were east and west wings. And that uh, was something I had not experienced before. Wait, so you, so it was the beast from Beauty and the Beast? <laughs> There's a west wing? This is oh. getting... What's I'm just I'm just now realizing how many parallels are in between that story. What's in the West yeah. Wing? It's forbidden. <laughs> the Beauty and the Beast. There were also horses and stables, and that may have been where I first uh, experienced a little baby. Oh really, my god! Wait, yeah. Did you get to use a, a real riding crop? Did he use a real riding crop on you? Oh, that? he definitely, definitely did. 
Oh my God. He literally put me over a saddle once. He that like to spank you? To spank me, to fuck me, to do whatever he wanted with me. Oh my God. That's like fantasy. That's like, I was 19. Holy shit. I was 19. We went out for, I don't know, three, four months. Like my relationships were never really long. I was young, but, um, I was driving and I was working and I was barely in high school. So yeah, my senior year, I I graduated at 19 because I'm old like that, but it was amazing. And he was awesome. And, um, he was a few years older than me and he was just so, he didn't, this is going to sound terrible given today's climate, but he never once asked me. That was going to be my next question. I was like, did you talk about it or did you just do it? And you No, I think because it was so new to me, I was like, I'm just going to go with this because I'm liking it. Yeah. Well, how, how could you have had a conversation if you don't have language around it? My own personal experiences include some choking and some hitting. I definitely got a black eye one, like just a slight, like a little, (laughs) and this is about, (laughs) no, it it was very funny because I was sleeping casually with one of my really good friends who to this day, I'm still very good friends with. And I was, this was when I was producing online reality TV and I was like so stressed. Like it was three years ago that I like broke my brain and couldn't, like I had like memory issues because I was like so stressed producing and like, hey, I went through that. And so I Not was like, that, but I- yeah, it messes up your body. It messes up your mind and your brain. And I hadn't had sex in forever. And I'd been in these like relationships that were just like, that was after... I thought I was going to move across the country to be with this couple and it all fell apart and I was just so sad. And oh. so I went back and slept with one of my, the third guy that I ever slept with. We're still, again, very good friends. And yeah. I was like, let's be rough. Let's be crazy. Like I just needed a release. And so, but right. I didn't Please touch me anywhere. Yeah. Anywhere. But I didn't know. And like, we always did stuff like a little bit rough and we're so fun and playful with each other. Um, and I was like, hit me, like try to hit me. Let's, but neither of us knew what we were doing. And he's like, you know, I was like harder, hit me harder. And he did, but because, like we were both a little bit fucked up too. And so he didn't know how to hit me properly to like hit hard, but not hit, like he oh. hit near my eye. And so it was like here. And so then I was on set with my other friend who I was sleeping with and he was like, is that a block? <laughs> and, he, and, I, and I was like, because I was so awkward back then and wasn't telling my multiple partners about each other, even though I was being safe, I was like too awkward because I thought they would be upset or whatever. Oh yeah. I, I, I dropped a chair on my face and he was like, you, what? And I was like, well, like when I was unloading stuff and <laughs> oh, he, yeah. and he got really protective because it was a very obvious lie. He's like, do I need to beat someone up? Like who's hitting you? And I was like, oh no, it was consensual. I just messed up. And I know I was sleeping with someone and I just was too awkward to tell you because I thought you, I don't know. And he's like, oh, that's fine. <laughs> he's like, as long as you're good, you know? So it was just one of those oh, things gosh. that I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't have language around BDSM. I didn't have language around hitting. I didn't know. I didn't yeah. know it was something I could research. Well, not only that, but it's like my experiences with it Anytime something good happened, it's like I tripped and fell into something good. Yeah. I wasn't looking for it. It just oh. appeared out of nowhere. And then yeah. when it did, I was like, yeah, let's yeah. have this. Let's have all of this. Let's yeah. do this all the time. And then, you know, I would, it would inevitably end for whatever reason, whether it was, you know, my, you know, my catalyst or his, but, um, when I, you know, after that, that guy that I was telling you about, you know, who was really funny and really like, he's yeah. really rough with me too. Und- undies on his head guy. Undies on his head, guy. So sweet. Um, the irony is that I still know him, and I know his wife, and I know his entire family, and he's just the most amazing human being. Wonderful. Like I still talk to so many of the people that I've 
spent with. I think that's lovely. Yeah. I do too. And, which is great. I think that's healthy. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so my experiences were kind of far and few between, and I didn't really know how to get what I wanted without it just appearing for me. Yes. Yes. And then when I, the first time I met my husband, you know, we, we were at a party, we got hammered where I was really young and we somehow ended up on the front yard wrestling. Like I was ch- trying to show my brute strength because I was all of a hundred pounds soaking wet and yeah. really thinking, I'm like, I'm going to smoke that cigar, put it out on your arm. I'm going to smash that beer on my forehead. I'm going to take that shot and then I'm going to kick your ass. Because <laughs> I'm like a small town scrappy girl. And that's just how I roll. Like, this is what high school was like for me. So that was my way of flirting. Like, I'm going to beat you up. And he was, he outweighed me by like a, a person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really just okay I'm super tough and he pinned me down and I was like yeah yeah that's the spot that's what I want and after that I was I was really intrigued because I thought maybe like it was it was like gambling you're always putting something else on the table because you feel like you're, you might that next time you just might get your chance and get it get it back right so I was always like getting close to what I wanted and then it wouldn't go that way and I wouldn't know how to redirect and yeah. say no, I don't want that. I want this instead. And then we went through a period where things were very emotional and very difficult. And I withheld sex because I suddenly realized what it was like to have an emotional connection to sexuality. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> and, yeah. and then I was like, I, when, when things changed and when I felt like he started to change, some really bad shit happened. And I was like, I can't share my body with you. I can't touch you. And, yes. and then he became kind of desperate to get sex for me because he, he, I think he truly did crave the emotional connection, but he didn't really know how to ask for it either. We both, we both grew up in the same area. Like we both were from similar working class families. There was no communication. There was no education. Our, our peers were trying to one up us, not educate us. Yeah. So, um, we had no idea what the hell we were doing. And, and then by the time we ended, we were, we were you know, a decade older finally able to say, Oh, that's what you were trying to do. Yeah. Oh, that's what you wanted. I get it now. I'm sorry we failed and I fucked it up and we can't go back now, but I get it. And ironically, towards the end of our relationship was when sex got better because the far a few times mm-hmm. that we had it, he, he was the best ever at going down on me. <gasps> and it's pretty much the only way that I can orgasm. Really? So, with, with a partner? With a partner, yeah. Oh. I literally just choked on my own spit as I gasped. <laughs> oh, no. That's amazing. So your sex got better towards the end of your relationship? <laughs> I think when we, when we finally realized we had nothing left to lose, yeah. it stripped away this level of fear. And, and we, yeah. to be fair, we, this is going to sound kind of confusing because our relationship ended. We separated for quite a while. We got back together and then it ended again Mm -hmm. under different and way worse circumstances. Mm -hmm. But the first time we separated, it was the first time we really started to understand each other. And that's inevitably why we got back together because it took us a year of being apart and having conversations that were like, I have, I have nothing left to lose. I have no reason left to lie to you. I have no reason to hold back these things that I want to say. I'm just Mm -hmm. pissed off enough that I can be really honest with you without worrying about how I'm going to structure my sentences so they don't set off your emotions so that you don't get mad at me. Yeah. Yeah. And that was such a fucking moment for me to realize that I could like, I could say what I wanted to say to somebody 
who could hear what I meant to say and not just get hung up on the words or hung up on, is this directed at me or do I need to be pissed off? He just heard me and it was amazing. And we had reconnected. I think some of the best sex we had was when we were separated. And when we reconnected, I remember one, one night I was like giving him very explicit direction on what I wanted and how I wanted it. Yeah. And he did exactly what I wanted. And there was no shame. I think there was for the first time, like a little bit of excitement for me wow. in being able to say what I want and then also get what I want, as opposed to just waiting for somebody to figure it out and magically give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? um, how, so, okay. So how did you say it finally? Like what, do you remember what you said or do you remember the gist of it or anything like that? Because I do think oh, yeah. that's the hardest. Yeah. Tell us. <gasps> he knows. So I had told him about this time when we were, we had gone out drinking years and years and years before all of this shit had gone down earlier on in a relationship, maybe three or four years in, we had gone out, we came home, we probably shouldn't have been driving. We were both so turned on because I was feeling him up in the car and he was feeling me up. And like, we were just tearing each other's clothes up on this drive home that we parked in our driveway and immediately had sex. There was a streetlight over our driveway. And <laughs> like if our neighbors had woken up or anybody had walked by, they definitely would have seen what was going on, but we just couldn't wait to get in the house. And it was like impulse took over. And he, I don't know how he managed this in a car, but in a Jeep, no less, but like he went down to me and it was, it was like revolutionary. So I remember saying to him, do you remember this night? And he was like, yeah, I do. It was amazing. I said, do you remember what you did? He's like, well, not exactly. And I was like, well, let me tell you. Mm. You went down between my legs with your hands for about a half an hour before you went anywhere near my genitalia. You were touching my arms and my hands and my face, the back of my ear. You were touching my cheeks. You were touching the sides of my legs. And then eventually you were just moving closer and closer to the inside of my thigh until I couldn't take it anymore. And then when I could feel my clitoris get so hard and so ripe that it was aching, you finally went down and put your hands on there and you, your hands are somehow custom built. So they have huge thick pads. So they're really soft, but really firm and really broad. And he went down and just did this perfect circular pace and he would change at the speed and change up the direction of once in a while. And then when I started to like get really, really excited and get wet, he would put his fingers in me. And then when I was about to come, he would take his fingers out and go down on me with his tongue and mouth and lips and it would just go everywhere. My God. And then when I came, he would just hold his spot and not move until I was completely done riding. Like with his mouth, like with like pressure? He would just like, just super, just Just touch. Just touch, like not pressured. He would just stay touching me and he wouldn't back off and he wouldn't go harder. He would just kind of like let me move and move with me. And then he would get up and we would have sex. And it was like, I was so sensitive and so intense and just coming down off of this orgasm that it made penetration feel really good for me. Amazing. Which was incredible because here's this person who I have no future with. Yeah. And I know that I have no future with him, but I am like, oh my God, I just remembered who you were and I remembered who I am. And I think that we need to like keep going down this way. But I think part of the reason why things were so good when we were separated is because of that experience. And also because I also had a really great sexual partner for the first time. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. If you were listening to this, You are probably like me, and you love sex. And you also know that fantastic sex takes more than just a boner. 
But if that's all that's missing in your connection with your partner, check out BlueChew.com. BlueChew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. You know, that's my favorite. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with the awkwardness that exists because physicians are not often given great guidance about how to talk about sensitive personal things like bone or softness, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Blue Chew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. With Blue Chew, penis owners everywhere are excited to see the postman because when your package has arrived, your package has arrived. And you know I love a good package. And I have to say, am I allowed to say this? It was very hot when I had a partner who I already had a good, trusting, open relationship. He'd been working on his anxiety, cutting down on screens, meditating, he quit smoking, he started exercising regular, cutting out processed foods, all of that stuff. He was just of a certain age, and I'll just say, the night that he told me he was making his package arrive, it was a very super hot extra layer of turn-on for me personally. So if it's for you, this is a super convenient resource. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at bluechew.com, chew it, and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That's bluechew.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluechew.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Blue Chew for sponsoring the podcast. In 10 years, that wasn't my husband during this time. Great. Will you tell us yeah. about that partner? Yeah. He and I met, um, again, through friends. It's, you know, it's a small... The Northeast is tiny. No matter how much area covers, it's just like full of tiny small towns and everybody knows everybody somehow. And um, he and I started working together in like a freelance capacity and um, making projects together. And I was like, oh my God, he doesn't just want to talk about stupid 10-year-old boy stuff. He wants to talk about art and photography and travel and cooking and like what we want out of life. And I just found him so passionate and so intriguing because... I genuinely liked talking to him mm -hmm. and I, he and I kind of connected really quickly um, after my husband and I separated. So there was a gap. It's like, it's not like we were, I wasn't having sex with both of them at the same time. This, this started, this went on for a while. And then gradually I ended up reconnecting with my husband. But um, also just, just to say like, I'm not a person who cares about that. I have multiple no, partners just, at the same time. <laughs> I don't either. I just feel like it's relevant. Sure, sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's, context. Uh, it's context. Yeah, it's context. You know, marriage is a little bit different, but um, mm. so I treated it differently. But he he was just so turned on by everything that I did that I was turned on by him. That's beautiful. Being turned on by me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, I could enter the room and he would just look at me and light up. And I yeah. loved that feeling where I could feel his eyes on me and I could feel him looking at me. Can I ask kind of a like, clarifying question? Yes. What's the difference, the feeling difference between like when a dude like is turned on by you and you're into it versus like lecherous at you? Do you know what I mean? It's that there's mutual desire, but you know, cause there are definitely people that have been turned on my, by me where I'm like, not you. Yeah. Um, I think there's a lot more to it than whether or not a person is attracted to you. Just because somebody, any person off the street is attracted to you does not mean that you feel that chemistry or you feel that spark or you feel 
drawn to them. Like, I think that there's a million other factors that play into it. You know, there's pheromones and there's maybe like you have a sixth sense of some sort. So you can sense that something is not off about this person, or maybe you feel like you don't want their company or there's a million other reasons why you may not choose instinctively, subconsciously or consciously why you want to be around another person. And I think that also applies to sexuality very much. So you may want me, but that does not mean that I want you. And I don't have to explain myself. We can be okay with the fact that I don't want you. (laughs) And in this case, you did want him very much. Oh yeah. Yes. And I think that the, the, to be much more specific, I, I think that there is a matter of a communication that is verbal or nonverbal that a person can pick up on. And if you are giving somebody attention and they don't want it, you'll figure it out pretty quickly and you'll stop. And if you don't stop, they'll make it stop for you somehow. Hopefully. <laughs> right. Yeah. I hope so. Um, and, and the best case. But for him, it's like, I think we noticed a flirtation. It was gradual. And then... Mm the flirtation turned into something much more obvious. And then it it immediately just turned into foreplay for me, like 24 hours a day foreplay where everything was like a, everything was a sexual trigger for us. Amazing. I love those moments, particularly when partnership, or not necessarily like dating partnership, but also that, but where you have someone that you're so turned on, like literally just turned on on by like in a sexual sense but for me it also sometimes feels like a life sense so you guys did end up doing it oh yeah a lot we did it a lot um we did it a lot he so he worked at um he worked at a local bar that we all used to hang out at my my Mm -hmm. friends and I and we were all friendly with him and so naturally he started spending more time with us and coming out with us a little bit more often and finding reasons to sit next to me. And it's like, it was gradual and kind of almost a little bit sweet. But I think that's what was so endearing to me is that this was, this was like somebody truly making it known that I really like you. I think you're really awesome. I want to hear every word you have to say. And by the way, everything about you turns me on. That's amazing. It's a really hard deal to turn down. I mean, yeah, you're like, hi. You know, (laughs) he was not, he was not physically the most attractive person to me. And I, I I say that because physical attraction is just a factor for me. And I know that about myself. Okay. That's but great it was to know. Really, yeah. I mean, like so, that's, and that's, I want to say, I think that's fine. Unless right. you're like walking around being like, you're ugly, blah, blah, blah. Like, but, but I right. think that's a fine thing. I also think it's fine if your friends do fall in love with or sleep with ugly people or people that you don't find attractive. Yes. I'm just telling the world, like just from personal experience, like you don't need to tell your friend if you think who they're fucking is not hot. Like that's my no. problem. And it's fine if you, if attractiveness is an important thing, it's, and it's fine. it's completely subjective. Like what I, what I feel about a person and what they feel about me, no less what anybody feels about me. First of all, it's none of my business. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't need to really concern myself with that. Um, but the other part of it is that my idea of what anybody else is or isn't, or let me rephrase that to say, whether or not I am attracted to somebody has nothing to do with them being good or bad or otherwise. Yeah, great. It's just totally subjective. And I think that a lot of it is kind of happenstance, you know, it mm-hmm. just, you like who you like and you can't really explain it. And to try to explain it is where you start to get into the weeds a little bit, you know? Yeah. But the important point here is that he was an exception. So there was like clearly some strong attraction. Yeah, there was strong attraction. And I think it was how sensual he was in everyday moments. Mm. Um, Like what? I I got the nerve up when one night I was 
drinking a lot during this time in my life, which may have played into me kind of loosening up a little bit, but whatever. Um, it was a rough patch of my life. Pirate's courage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I would I would go into the bar a lot to see him and then end up just kind of like hanging out and drinking. And one night I went to the bathroom and took my underwear off and just walked up to him, make, kept eye contact and put them in his, in his like apron thing. And I was like, come see me after work and left the bar. Like I was some kind of badass, completely forgot that my friend was still in there. So now I'm outside and like, sorry, I just had a badass walkout. Can you just come out? I'm sorry, jerk. Like, <laughs> That's hilarious. But then he did. And then I knew, I knew around 2 a.m. I would get a knock on my door and he could not get on around and he could not get to me fast enough. Mm. And he was like all over the place, but also in a very somehow <laughs> satisfying way. Mm. And it was funny because he had his sexual perks. Like we, he would, he was great in bed. We would have sex up against the door, up against any piece of furniture. He, I walked up to his door one day and I was wearing a trench coat and leather lingerie and thigh high, like thigh high dominatrixes yeah. with a metal spike heel and yeah. very, very dominatrixy. And I walked in up to his door and he opened the door a little bit and I kicked it in and he was so turned on that he ripped my clothes off and we had sex up against his open oh door. Oh like my right, God. Right there. Did yeah. you, were you nervous? Did you care? You were just like, no, I don't know. It was right, let's do it. the morning and it was a quiet family street. Oh <laughs> no, amazing. Yeah. I, he let, I kept his mouth covered because that was the only thing that I was worried about is that somebody would hear and yeah. then come out. Um, so it was like, wild. it was like restrained and it was great. There was always like the, a very powerful tension push pull there. But I think that everything about that relationship with him, even though it wasn't really a relationship, it was definitely more of like a fuck friend type thing. Yeah. It taught me so much about myself. And then I had to work up the nerve to go back to my husband and be like, Hey, I've been having sexual therapy for six months. I think I get it now. Let's get back together. And his biggest hang up was, Oh my God, you slept with somebody else while we were separated. Really? Yeah. So I was like, I would, I would take two steps forward and three steps back. Like, oh my gosh, I'm ready for the next thing. I'm going to like try again and then have another step back. And, you know, it worked for a while with him, but he never got over the fact that I was with somebody else when we were separated and ended up sleeping with somebody else who was also married. And that's oh. what ended our relationship. Yeah. So it's wild. like, yeah, it was bad. But this isn't a marriage podcast. This is a sex podcast. So let's get back to good stuff. <laughs> but I like uh, relationship stuff for context. In some cases, it's really important. Side note, I want to just circle back to this really quickly. You said you had sex up against furniture. Did you ever break any furniture? Or do you not have things from Ikea? Because my furniture, I feel like... <laughs> I mean, like the couches are sturdy. The bed is fine. Everything else, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> the first piece of furniture I broke was with my current boyfriend. Yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't my furniture it was his <laughs> what was it his bed frame <laughs> what wood bed frame how did you break it aggressively obviously like aggressive yeah yeah but like, <laughs> just, like just like <laughs> i mean i think that like with thrusting with thrusting. i feel like it had been moved a few times and you know i remember yeah, one day I it was it headboard and i was like is that on backwards what the fuck like so <laughs> Clearly there was some janky engineering going on in the first place, but we, you know, we, um, 
We met when I came out here. I have to give you the backstory so you can understand the context of this I'm just, one. No, I'm just you saying janky engineering is like when I like can't open a jar and I hand it to someone. I'm like, yeah, I, I loosened it for you, obviously. Obviously. You're yeah. welcome. Jinky engineering. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That screw was already loose. So <laughs> <laughs> it's not my fault that the bed broke. So we, we met, um, I, I got divorced. I was, I was alone for a while and that was great for me. I lived in a really fun apartment with, that I loved and my friends came over all the time and it was awesome. And I just was in the right headspace where I finally wasn't thinking about a relationship. And naturally this beautiful, funny, handsome, stylish guy just gets dropped in my lap. And I'm like, well, oh, what do I do now? So I moved across I'm the country. With months later. <laughs> yeah. You did. I did. How many I, months later? What'd you say? Uh, Two? Six? No. It, well, we met, um, we met in fall and, or actually, no, we went around Christmas time. So yeah, I met, we, I moved out four months later. Side note, and, and an important one is that my best friend also lived here. So the reason why I live okay. where I live now is because I was out here visiting my best friend. We were all going out for a friend's birthday. He was there. Later, I found out that he was there because he saw a picture of me. I didn't know. I didn't know I was meeting anybody, but that's cool. But I was completely myself. And I I just, like, we went out and I had a good time and I picked on him. And I, like, I'm an abrasive person. I'm a big, big, big softie. And I just crave love on the inside. But the Mm -hmm. outside is really, really rough and kind of nasty. So like, I'm really abrasive and I'm, I'm, I pick on people and I kind of beat up on my friends verbally and they're like, everybody knows that if I make fun of you, that's my love language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, I was really letting, letting it loose and being myself and just totally relaxed. And I went back to my friend's house that night and she got a text that he asked for my number. And I was like, is he okay? Does he know that I don't live here? What is, is he okay? what? Why does he want my number? He's not um, okay because you you guys weren't having sex yet. I know. Um, he he definitely tried that night, but I was like, dude, you're drunk. Get away from me. No. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no. So um so we we were talking long distance um for a few months and I I decided on that trip amongst other reasons, not just him, that I wanted to move out here to be near my best friend, of course, and just kind of have a change of scenery and we started dating kind of long distance immediately after he asked for my number. And it was really frustrating because all I wanted to do was be out here and be on him all the time. And I yeah. had to be like really far away. So what so did you do I, Yeah, during the distance? What did you do? Oh, I masturbated a lot. And um, I tried to get him to do like, I didn't realize how kind of uh, vanilla he was when I first met him because he was he's very strong and he can be a little forceful in a good way with consent. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know. He's, I don't expect that from somebody who gives me a lot of sass, gives me a lot of flack, gives me a lot of heat, gives me, gives me a lot of passion. Like when I start picking up on those signals, I'm like, Oh yeah, you're going to throw me around and probably. (laughs) Yes. I like it. Um, so that's, those are the vibes that I was getting. And then I was like, let's have phone sex. Let's play this game. Let's go through, do you remember when that article came out when it was like 31 questions of how to get to know your partner? It was like a... Oh, it's like how to... I think it's 37 and I think it's like how to fall in love. Yes. Yeah. So naturally yeah. I found this and I was like, you're a terrible conversationalist. Let's play a game. It's great. Fuck yeah. <laughs> so after three months of trying to talk to this guy, I was like, fuck it. I just want to have sex with him. And then he broke his bed. And then that weekend, we also had all of our friends over for a dinner party to celebrate me moving out. 
And one by one, like I went upstairs with all my girlfriends and I was like, I just broke this dude's bed. And of course, afterwards, he's going upstairs with his friends and he's like, I broke this bed with this girl. And then he would come downstairs and I'm like, are you talking about the bed? Are you showing them the bed? What the fuck? But it became like a very prideful thing for me because I was like, oh, you guys, I think you guys should have like an anniversary party that's like <laughs> the breaking of the bed. Like it's like the your ceremony. And we show, it's like, it's like in Game of Thrones, like on the wedding night when they like <laughs> carry the people to the, con- like to consummate the marriage. It's like, but it's like, we have broken the bed. Let's rejoice. Yes. Oh my God. That's the perfect anniversary. <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just throwing out ideas. Well, it's great because it's a concrete date and I feel like anniversaries are just really hard. How do you define the first date when you know somebody? Exactly. And like a, yeah, bed breaking is a great beginning, I think. We also, he had a roommate at the time and he was renting half of this house from his roommate. And since this is anonymous, I guess it's okay to admit that we also had sex on every piece of furniture and every surface in that entire house. I love that. (laughs) Every surface, did you clean them first? Because sometimes I'm like, I don't know about that floor. He's definitely a germaphobe. We clean before oh, and after. Wonderful. And then yeah. Well, it, it was wonderful then, but the germophobia kind of leads to another issue. Oh, I just yeah. meant wonderful that uh, you did the cleaning. But what is the issue that you were talking about? <sighs> you ever have those those friends that they talk about the new person that they're dating and they talk about how wonderful they are. And then eventually there is a but. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love him, but he will not go down on me. At all? At all. Ever? Ever. How many years have you been together? Uh, five? Four? Four. So it's related to germophobia or just like... I don't know. He won't talk about it. It's very funny how this comes full circle. It. He does not talk oh. about sex. There's no talking about sex. It, it's like he somehow, I moved across the country and somehow found a guy who was the exact same person as my parents. Oh my gosh. They fight like there birth. Yeah, I know. Oh, wow. In the beginning, I was always like, oh my gosh, you remind me so much of my dad, like the country music and yeah. you're kind of a little badass and you know, you think you're Johnny Cash. You're, you're basically my dad. And My dad was also like a crazy germaphobe, had everything, like everything had. Lovers, this episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. We all know that the foundation to an awesome sex life is excellent mental and physical health. But if proper rest, exercise, and a healthy lifestyle aren't leading to the blood flow you'd like when and where you'd like it, check out BlueChew.com. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so you can plan ahead or be ready whenever the opportunity arises. And the process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you are approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part, it's all done online, so no visits to the doctor's office, no dealing with awkward physicians who aren't trained to talk about sex lives, plus no waiting in line at the pharmacy. BlueChew's tablets are made in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet pack. They always say first impressions are important, but what about lasting impressions? Lovers, I do believe that we can always make loving, lasting impressions by connecting and being present and chasing our pleasure and our partner's pleasure. And if your priority is making a deep, deep impression between two beautiful, enthusiastic thighs or cheeks in the name of partnered pleasure, I get it. I've worn a strap on now. I too love having a hard cock. 
Bluetooth and I want you to have better sex. Discover your options at bluetooth.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our listeners. Try Bluetooth free when you use our promo code LOVER at checkout. You just pay $5 for shipping. That is bluetooth.com promo code LOVER to receive your first month free. Visit bluetooth.com for more details and important safety information. And thank you to Bluetooth for sponsoring the podcast. Be clean, mm. which is hilarious since he was a smoker, so everything was always covered in dust. But if it was germs, his idea of germs, like that was that was the issue. So he's never, have you asked him to go down on you? Have you been like, will you please? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to be a lot more shy about it because he... He's the first person that I've been in a relationship with, and this is going to sound kind of weird, but I've always sort of had the upper hand and I like that and it makes me feel comfortable. I know that I am the one that the other person is kind of more into and there's a safety net in there for me. Mm. So with him, he's like my equal and it Mm -hmm. stresses me the fuck out (laughs) all the time. Because I have no leverage. I have nothing. He, Mm. He does not want to get married. He does not want to like, well, he doesn't want to have a family, but that's totally fine because neither do I. But, mm-hmm. you know, he's just like a, he's this grown bachelor guy who's mm-hmm. just happens to be in a monogamous long-term relationship. Yeah. So that's yeah. kind of what I'm always at odds with. If he doesn't yeah. want to talk about it. He's not going to talk about it. And my fear is always like, well, if I push him too hard, then he's going to go because there's not enough of a reason to, to yeah. stay. Even though that's, it's totally in my head. We have a much more stable relationship than that, but. But those it kind of goes back to the fear. Real. Yeah. Those are big fears that I think a lot of us have at least at some point in our life experienced. And the the fear around talking about it, I think, like gets compounded in this way. So yeah. when you're like, hey, please go down on me, is he just like, no? Or is he just like, is germs there? Like, what does he say? What does he actually say? Most 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 of the time he actually says nothing, which is the worst. <gasps> I am a super verbal person. I I trick yeah. over my words because I have so many of them. I can't yeah. get them out in the right order. Same. So I usually end up racing through everything and mumbling over my words because I have so much in my head that I want to say. And with him, it's like trying to squeeze water out of a rock. Like cannot get a conversation out of him if he does not want to have it. It's not going to happen. Yeah. Which makes me mental. Wow. Also kind of turns me on because he's stubborn. So it's really it's like a mixed, mixed thing. I think the other part of it is because he's so comfortable being a loner, I don't think he craves human touch the way that I do. So I constantly feel a little bit starved for it. And mm. please understand, like I, I know that you and probably everybody else listening to this understands that relationships are much more complicated than oh, yeah. the 20 minutes you can summarize the issues on, uh, you know, from one also, like, perspective. Picking one glaring issue, you know, like one thing. Right. It's like very, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Like he's, he's phenomenal or else I wouldn't be with him. I'm yeah, obviously. I mean, he but, must be fucking fantastic if you're willing to stay with him in spite of this, you know? And it's one of those things that it's like, oh, I've do told you go down on him? Yeah, but I really like to. So I yeah, can't. That's, I mean, that's the thing. Yeah, I, that's I really I enjoy it. Because it's a very powerful thing for me. And I love go on. I can. I just like that I can. I can do something and get exactly the result that I want. And I can make somebody feel so amazing, like the most amazing. Yeah. But it's completely up to me. You're, yeah. you're doing nothing. And it's, and it's funny because mostly I really like to be the one who's being thrown around and being dominated. But in that respect, I really like getting what I want and I don't let him touch me. I don't let anybody do anything. I just want to do the, do that the way that really? I want to do it. And it's like, yeah. And it, I don't know. It's a little bit more, it's like a performance for me. 
Um, Will you give us just a quick like rundown of your performance? (laughs) Like another, I mean, not assuming, I'm assuming you don't have like dance steps that you repeat exactly every time, but like, what are some of your favorite things about it specifically? Well, I think that, you know, several years into relationship, you kind of develop the routine where however many times a week you're doing it, this is pretty much how it's going to start, right? So Mm. usually by the time we get into the bedroom, there's a power struggle and a makeout session going on. Mm -hmm. And for me, I thrive off of that because he... He doesn't need foreplay. He doesn't like, he's not somebody who needs to be sensual all the time. And I thrive on it. So when we do have sex, we don't have it as often as I like. And it's, it doesn't like get led up to as much as I want, Mm -hmm. but when we have it, it's so amazing and so passionate and so powerful that I get to see the side of him that excites me so, so, so much that I don't get to see a lot the rest of the time. So there's this power struggle thing. And I'm usually really excited when this is happening and he'll either slam me up against a wall or throw me on the bed, or sometimes he will just bend me over the bed or wherever. Like it's, it, it somehow is always in the bedroom. I'm, I like sex to be everywhere but the bedroom, but he's very much a bedroom person. And I think because we've, we were living in apartments for so long, I think it just became a yeah. habit. Yeah. So yeah. when we moved into our house, it was like, oh, we're just going to go to the bedroom. But I might actually try to get him on the dining room table tonight. We'll see. <laughs> yes. Okay. Let me know if you do. I'm just curious. We'll see. Um, no, but anyway, so basically it's like, we'll, we'll, we'll struggle and then he'll try to dominate me and I'll, I'll win and I'll mm. flip him over. And if I win, that's usually when I, I don't want to say get to do what I want, but that's usually when I'll, I'll naturally do it. Like if I can overpower him and get him laying down, then it becomes like, I've won. I've taken you over. I'm feeling very powerful right now. So yeah. I, I will literally just strip all of the covers off of the bed so I can see everything. And so he can see everything and awesome. kind of make eye contact. I use one or both of my hands. I switch off and on. I, I definitely pay a lot of attention to the balls. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, right when he's about to come is usually when I'll stop and jump on top of him. Ugh. That's so hot. it just continues from there. Yeah. That's so that's, hot. I will warm him up and that will warm me up. And I think sometimes that's what makes it okay for me in my head that he doesn't go down on me, but I'm still kind of pissed off about it. <laughs> I think, I think you can hold both. Like I think, yeah. yes. And, and I'm, I for one still hold out hope that maybe someday something will shift for him. Oh, maybe he should listen to this podcast and uh, just, you know, learn about how how joyous going down on actually I need to get more dudes on here I need to get more dudes on here to talk about going down on ladies yeah I I want well I want more of that I want to hear more about guys talking about how they do it and what they do they're scared I think they're scared they're scared or they're just scared of me maybe I don't know (laughs) I don't think I'm that scared you're not scared you're lovely (laughs) you're enchanting um I think for him it's I think it's a shame thing I think it's the same issue that I used to have where if you don't have an opportunity to use your voice or find your voice, you just never, you know, you never use it. You never find a reason for it. And I, I really push him to communicate about everything. Um, a few weeks ago, we had a really bad blow up and we almost broke up because Mm. he, um, he were, he was in some photographs where I got the wrong idea and they were, they were with a bunch of other people and then there was this one person who I didn't know who was very close to him in every single one of the pictures. And then after that, I saw all these other pictures and I, I was out of town for a conference and I was like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. If a guy looks at me sideways, you're ready to crowbar them. And yeah. Me. 
Yeah. So what makes you think I'm going to be okay with this? Like we're pretty chill. We're pretty relaxed. I'm a super low maintenance girlfriend, but yeah. um, I have my, I have my boundaries and it's like, I can take so much of the non-communicative sort of nonverbal stoic, stoic can, dude thing. Yeah. I can take only so much of that bullshit before I crack. And then I'm like, I'm in a space and I'm asking him questions and I'm, I'm demanding answers. And, you know, if he won't communicate with me, then I'm going to email him. And if he doesn't want to read his email, then I'm going to text him and I will be fucking heard Yeah, whether he wants to hear me or not. Because yeah. after nearly 40 years on this plan and I finally figured out that I deserve to be heard, whether you want to hear me or not, you know? Absolutely. And, <laughs> and I think being heard is so important. Like this, like you speaking, this is important. Yeah. Going back to what you said when you were talking about hearing men speak and having them be heard, one of the reasons that I had to start this podcast is because I spent so long not having a role model. Like I don't have a sexual role model because we don't yeah. we don't have them. And no. I think that's fucking insane because you know, we have people people when I was little, they were like, You're so smart, you're gonna have to be president. And I was like, Oh shit, that's a big responsibility. So I was like a stressed yeah. out third grader because people told me that I was going to be president. And I never wanted that, but I was like, Oh, I can so relate to that. Like, okay. <laughs> okay, I'll have to okay. And then I like realized I didn't have to, and I was like, Oh, thank God. If I did want to be president, I at least have forty four examples that I could go back and look at. Right. <laughs> If I wanted to have a good sex life, I just have to make it up myself if I don't have anyone that will talk to me about it. And I think it's, I think it's hard for men too. I think it's hard for everybody, but it's like, especially because in this, in American culture, yeah. they don't have role models. We don't have role models. Well, we don't have role models who make it not only acceptable, but really encourage men to say what they're feeling, say what they're experiencing and, and talk about the why without yeah. having all of these expectations on them. And I think that it's, you know, men have their own challenges in this, in this world, just as much as women do. And for them, it's a matter of expectation and comparison and this need to, like I said, when I was in high school, even the women that I was, or the girls that I were, you know, I was friends with, they didn't talk about, I had a weird experience and I didn't know how to handle it or, you know, his cum tasted weird. And now I feel like I have an infection in my mouth and I think that I'm a crazy person because I don't know where to to find out this information like yeah weird shit like that where you don't get to talk to somebody without the implied shame that you're talking about something you're not supposed to talk about and i'm not going to tell you the answer because then it might make me look bad which is crazy because like it's insane. Most, most people have sex not everybody but most people have sex and yeah most many of them enjoy it or at least want to enjoy it and it's totally right. fine if if you don't want sex that's fine too but but i just Think to, but I think there's also shame around not wanting sex. And so it's like, just, yeah. just like, we're just like shame balls. And I just want to like smash them. Smash no, them. and I, I find myself, you know, I'm not, I'm not the kind of woman who wants to rescue men in a relationship. I kind of want you to be the person that you are. And I want to like you when I meet you and feel good about who we are as yeah. a couple, you know, or whatever we are. Like, I just, I like to feel that shit out in the beginning. And I don't really enjoy being the being the teacher, being the sensei, guiding you through your emotional, you know, right. journey so that you can figure out who the fuck you are. Like that's not your job. That's completely okay. I went through, I went through it after my dad died. My dad, um, my dad committed suicide in 2007. And after that, oh I, I've made my peace with it as much as one can. Um, yeah. but after he died, I was like, 
what am I doing in my life? And I think this happens whenever anybody gets a shock of any kind. It's not always death. Sometimes it's whatever. It's a million different things for anybody. But for me, that moment was the one where I woke up the next day and I was like, how many of the things in my life am I okay with if tomorrow is my last day? And this is the entire story. Like, how long am I going to keep thinking that I'll wait until the next chapter starts to start living my life? And, and it was like this whole moment where, like you said, you know, you go through this transform, transformative experience where you finally start to feel okay with who you are and you want to encourage yourself to be more you. Yeah. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. Right. And that was sexuality for me as I feel like in my marriage, so much of my sexuality went dormant. And then I discovered so much about myself when I was single that I want, I want those worlds to be one and I want them to be one with this person. And I feel like I'm hanging on a door that doesn't want to open. But at the same time, I also love our time together. I love spending time with him. I love his family. Like I really love our life together. So for me, it's like, how long can I test the this limit how long can i it's a weird form of like self-denial not denial that's not the right word but it's like i'm denying myself pleasure because choosing to accept not having it for i'm choosing to accept not having it yeah Yeah, to the extent that i want it anyway yeah but it's funny it comes out in other ways my my office is a hr nightmare because nobody (laughs) Nobody does anything that they're supposed to do. Nobody says what they're supposed to. Nobody follows the rules. Around three o'clock on Fridays, everybody starts talking about blowjobs. It just happens. I don't know how, but it does. I mean, that sounds like an office I might actually be able to to hang with. It's really kind of amazing. And then, you know, I, my company um, has several other companies and one of them is a sexual health uh, business. It's a medical mm-hmm. business, um, kind of like the med spa type thing, but specifically for sexual health. And, you know, you can't work next to people who work in a sexual clinic of any kind without talking about sex and hearing them normalize the conversation and make it so okay to talk about and listening to this podcast and realizing that not everybody has a better experience than you, Mia, like it's okay. Everybody has a different experience. And just because it's not mind blowing and it's not totally like the most amazing thing that you can possibly have doesn't mean that it's not still good and not still worth experiencing. You know, I don't think the sweet in my life is as sweet without a little bit of the sour to kind of balance out. Yeah. So there's a balance of sweet and sour in my life right now. And I'm figuring out how much sour I want before yeah. I need to, to venture it's, back over into the land of the sweet. sweet. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Uh, technical question. Does he finger you? Like, does he put hands nearby? Oh, I hate to say this. He's not very good with his hands, but he's, very, very good with his penis. Mm, good. Okay. Yeah. I was curious. Again, um, it's a balancing act. <laughs> it's a balancing act. I mean, and it is. And I think that that's, sex is part of relationships. It's part. Yeah. That's it. You know? I, and it's like, this podcast is, I'm asking all the details about sex. So it looks like glaring holes, but it's just part of a relationship. It's normal. And like I said, you know, it's, it's not the most amazing thing. I think there was another listener, not listener, another person that was interviewed here. Um, it was a guy and he was pretty much talking about like, these things are not perfect and um, I'm working on them, but I don't really know what to do about it right now. And I was like, oh, it's refreshing. so amazing to hear somebody say like, it's not perfect, but I'm figuring it out. And I've had really mind-blowing, incredible, incredible bouts of sweetness in my sex life. Mm. And I've also had incredible 
painful, you know, <laughs> unpalatable bouts yeah. of sour. And I think that I'm not on one extreme or the other right now, but I'm in a place that still makes me feel happy and I wouldn't be here if I wasn't. So yeah. it's like, it's, it's oddly time to be discussing sex and how amazing, <laughs> how much amazing sex I have had when it's not currently the standard, but yeah. there are other things in my life that, that sort of raise the bar across the board. Okay. I want to just rapid fire. I'm just going to go through my list of questions and anything we haven't already covered in detail. I'm just going to ask you and we're going to like just a couple sentences. If we go longer, Ready. fine, but like aiming, aiming for a sexual lightning round, sexual, the best kind of quickie, I guess. Oh, the best kind of quickie. The best kind of quickie. So do you talk about sex with partners ahead of time? And do you talk about protection? I, I've not been great about talking about protection, but I do always make sure before I have sex that a condom is available with a new partner. Great. Unless it's a trust fund. What do you remember, if anything, about sex ed in school? Oh God, sex ed when I was really young was terrible and kind of awkward. Everybody laughed. I think I was in fourth grade. They separated the boys from the girls. I didn't grow up with the same anatomy as everyone else. So for me, it was like, oh, cool. This is what it's like for other normal girls. And mm. so it was kind Can of you interesting. you talk about that? Sure. I, I have a condition where I, I have an abnormal uterus and I don't, I, I cannot have children. I do not ovulate. I do not have a period. I never, there's a bunch of other sort of physical um, tweaks and, and curious curiosities uh, about me that I look completely normal from the outside, but um, there's just some funky medical stuff going on. So when I learned about puberty, it was like my doctor telling me step-by-step step what we were going to do and what to expect. And it, it was very clinical and very straightforward. So it's funny for how emotional and how emotionally charged the conversation about sex was with my family talking about sexual body parts and my body and things like that, things like puberty, that was all completely fine because it was like a medical thing. It wasn't emotionally charged. It was just, this is information. Mm. That part of me was very, very comfortable, like with yeah. anatomy, with my body. But uh, beyond the kinks already discussed, can do you have any others that you want to talk about or that you would like to explore but haven't yet? Oh gosh, I um, I have a lot of kinks that I explore by myself, and I am still figuring out how to navigate that with a partner. Mm -hmm. So, like, I really there's an app called. I don't know if you want me to like drop names here. I don't yes, know please. Sure, do it. So there's an app called Dipsy. D-I-P-S-E-A. Um, and they are erotic, short story, audible books. Oh, which yeah. Which is amazing. Yes. So it's a paid service. And I listened to the first three. And it's like, you can just pop your headphones in and listen to some really hot porn. And I can make the visuals up in my head. And it's really wonderful. And I can listen to that while I masturbate and it's great. That's a, that's a turn on for me to hear somebody talking or telling a story that's really appealing. I also like, if I, if I just want to have cookie and release some stress, or if it's like Sunday morning and I have a house to myself, I'll definitely Google some, some porn and just whatever happens to like tickle my fancy. That's what I kind of lean into. And then, you know, going down a real Google hole, my search history is really bizarre. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what's the weirdest place you've ever masturbated? Oh gosh. Um, unintentionally in a public pool. 
unintentionally, like with a jet, what? Yeah. Yeah. With a jet. I think that I was like, this is amazing. And then I ended up getting up and, <laughs> and leaving. I did, I did not come in a public pool. I'm not <laughs> okay, okay. cool with that. But Still. I, that was like, I remember the experience of being in a public place and feeling turned on. That was really fun. And I didn't take it all the way because I like my, my mind got the better of me and I was like, Oh God, no, it's not. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that I have also, I've had sex in some pretty public places. I've had sex in the park, in my driveway, in my backyard, um, on a mountain when I was hiking. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. Oh my God. I, I love that stuff. So that's what gets me going. <laughs> <laughs> love, love, love. Okay. Uh, Sexual turnoffs. Oh God, um, being too cautious or too careful or too sensitive, too hyper aware. When somebody is anxiety is anxious in bed with me, it makes me anxious. Mm-hmm. So that it makes it too mental for me, and then I just can't get in my body. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I dated a guy who was a lot younger than me, who was really, really, really beautiful, and just really inexperienced and unsure of himself. Oh yeah. yeah. And that was a struggle for me. I was like, I can't, I can't get into this. You don't know what the fuck you're doing. I can't get into this. <laughs> what do you think um, about butt stuff? Oh, I have, I've had anal before with my husband and I, I, I've enjoyed it a few times, but it wasn't, it wasn't like mind blowing for me. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember that was a big point of shame. Like, there was a few things in, in school, like when I was in high school and amongst like my early twenties group of friends where a stigma was attached to something. And anal was one of those things where everybody's like, Oh God, only sucks do anal because we're so provincial and fabulous. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was like, as soon as it became a taboo, it became very appealing and <laughs> I wanted to try it. I was the one to, you know, initiate and say, this is what I want to do. And I like it. I think that it's a fun, it's like a fun component, but it's not like a main attraction for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, but I've never been with a guy who will let me do butt stuff with him and it makes me kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of funny too that like, it's like there's shame if you are having butt sex, but there's also like, for those of us that want to explore, it's sort of like, oh, I'm not, there's like shame that I'm not having an asgasm. Like I remember, cause it took me yeah. almost a year to, to have one and of like, dedicated like but I was like excited of exploring oh, I don't think I've ever had an half yeah I hadn't until I it took me probably six to eight months oh to God. really love anal of doing it like once every week or two and right. um and yeah six to eight months in I finally was able to I think mentally or emotionally or some combination relax enough yeah because at first it was like you are fine. This just relax. Just relax. You are fine. This is just breathe. Yeah. Like you know, so fucking corny, but true. And so finally I got over my brain thing and then I was like, oh my God. So when I started having colonics, I got way more chill about anal. Yeah. Yeah. That <laughs> I was like, if I, to me. like I, I tried it and I remember I was so nervous to try it and people, yeah. you know, I researched it online forever. And then the first time I got one, I was like, I was just not feeling well. And I thought that I'm going to try literally anything to feel better. Yeah. And after that, I was like, oh, once you relax, it's kind of nice. Yeah. And then, yeah, I like it. But the only time I ever get it now is when my other half has bad aim. Totally. Totally. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oof. And that's not my, no. Oof. No, I don't like, the, oh. I don't like the aggressive entry. I like I, the gentle entry. 
I yelped last week and had to take a breather because it was so painful in a oh, way no. that I couldn't, that I just like couldn't like function. Like it just, yeah. <sighs> That's a thing. Oh God. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've always wanted to explore other things, but I always end up with a partner who's just not as kinky as me, I guess. Hmm. Okay. When do you feel the most in touch with your body? Um, when I'm clean, when I'm well fed, but not bloated. Yeah. I feel like I'm taking care of my body. Like when I'm drinking a lot of water and I'm exercising, like when I just feel physically well, it makes me feel 10 times hotter and 10 times more connected with myself Yeah, and so much more confident. When I leave a yoga class, immediately horny every single oh, time. Oh, I fucking every single time. love that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, it makes me want to go back to yoga. Oh God. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> <laughs> A new meaning to hot yoga. Oh God, it is hot yoga. But I love it. Like when you can smell everybody, if I walked by that room and I was not in the right mindset, I'd be like, Ew. smells like fucking ass in there. I don't want to go anywhere near, but somehow when you're in that room and it warms up and everybody's getting yeah. kind of hot and sweaty together, I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. This is awesome. Oh, I love it. Like, you're like an energetic arousal or it's like your molecules are in the same space. I don't know. I wonder about that. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Future hopes, goals, or dreams for your sex life? Oh, more sex. So much more sex. I want more sex. I want more adventurous sex. I want more challenging and um, boundary pushing sex. And I want to feel desired more and to feel, God, I feel that electricity when I know that I have the attention of the person that I want. Yes. Like I love that confidence. And I've had, like I've told you over the last hour or so, I've had these singular experiences that, on their own are so exceptional, but my fantasy is for all of them to just compound and, and start to yes. happen in my life again. Like I want, I want oral. I want the, you know, the, the sensual kind of long term foreplay that just leads up to a point where you can't fucking handle it and you have to tear each other apart. Like I love that idea and I love that feeling. And it's just something that I don't have a lot of anymore. And it's funny because like I said, it's like gambling. I get a couple of coins and I'm so excited about them that I just keep playing and, yeah. uh, you know, I'm getting enough back right now where I'm still going to keep putting coins in. Totally. Totally. Love. Okay. Lastly, if you could go back in time and give littler, littler, younger you some sex oh. advice, what age would you pick and what would it be? Oh, to just enjoy yeah. it all, to mm. just enjoy every sensation and to welcome it and to not be afraid or to not be shamed or to not be swayed by it. I think that little me used to love sitting in the tub with my legs up against the, you know, basically the wall of the tub where the spout was mm-hmm. and not even the shower. I would let the, the, the tub spout just pour over me until I came. And amazing. I remember then like I would, I would come and I would put all this bubble bath in there and have a little bubble bath and chill out and then just fall right asleep and have no cares in the entire universe. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just really lavishly, heavily hedonistic. I, I remember really loving that sensation as a kid and loving that feeling. 
I'd go off in the woods and take my clothes off and hang out. And I would not stay in the woods. Oh like I was God. just a very outdoor kid and I was always outside, but I spent a ton of time alone. So I had a really vivid imagination. Amazing. And I, I think that so much of that died when I started to experience shame and to be kind of shut down and to yes. lose my voice and lose the voice that I think was starting to develop. And I think that I was just about to be like, take it all in, love it, love yourself, love all of these experiences. Like that's yeah. what I would say to myself. And honestly, anybody else is struggling. I'm still struggling with finding my voice in insects. Yeah. And, you know, I know where I would like to be yeah. and I know where I'm at. And I think that that's probably the best that I can do for today. Cheers to you practicing. Know? I think that's all we can do is practice. Like yeah. it is a practice. I'm happy. Like that's one of my daily practices. I mean, it's not daily. Yeah, I, mean, I, I aspire to practice practicing mm-hmm. daily sex. Like that's one of mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. And now you get to ask me a sex question if you want. Oh, I am fascinated with all of your amazing arrangements with your life. You have partners and you have uh, um, a couple that you are, or you are still involved with. And um, you know what you've heard about your, your dom and, I am so curious how, as somebody who has an extremely kinky dark side and in, 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 in sex, I've always been in these relatively vanilla relationships. Mm-hmm. How do you kind of cross over? Does it just happen? Did it just... in? Oh, in my life, I'm the yeah. most... I don't know why I'm not dead. Like, I'm the most curious little being. Like, I'm like, what's over there? I'll just follow this. Actually, a lot of my early sexual experience happened because I was like... I'm so curious to see, I think I know where this is going, but I'm not really sure. I'll just go find out. That's how I had to appreciate that. Yeah. And, and I'm really, really lucky because I think the only reason that I felt safe enough to do that growing up was because I had a really safe, loving, stable childhood. I got into Mm -hmm. some dicey situations when I was alone in South America, but I was like, well, Hopefully this turns out. And so I think that having the stable upbringing has given me some sort of at least trust in my own resilience. In many cases, I got really lucky. So I met my master online. I was like, I'm going to make a profile on FetLife and had no idea what I was doing. Like I had no idea because I was just like, I want to be tied up. And I just happened to meet someone who he was Mm. the first, like the first message that wasn't like, like really crazy that he was the first normal person to message oh, I've definitely had some sketchy people oh online where I'm like retreat retreat yeah you're like bye I don't exist just kidding like, and yeah. I grew up very similar we like super trusting and very confident in my like yeah. my impulses and in my intuition yeah sometimes a little too confident yeah and I'm just okay <laughs> yeah and I I'm not, I'm not that confident like in certainly not sexually but just very open just like yeah. okay I'll I'll try it I'll try and it. I do want to try stuff but but like if my master had happened to be a murderer like I would have died that first night like we went to a hotel it probably yeah. was going to be fine I had my safety people like I text people when I'm meeting someone new like I text two different people and say, I'm going out here. I'll check in in an hour. If I don't, like, here's where I'm supposed to be called the police. Like I do that. Mm. But that's, that's what I do when I'm like thinking ahead. But sometimes I definitely have a lot of stories where I'm just like out. Like when I was studying abroad, I was walking home from school one day. I was like writing a paper, a French paper. And I was in Cannes, France. And I happened, it was when a volcano had gone off in Iceland, but they were, there was like a TV, like MIPCOM where the people go sell ads to TV companies. And so all of these executives were just stranded there. Like they couldn't travel. And they were like, these people were like, oi. And I was like, what? 
how do you know? Like, they're like, what are you doing? And I was like, walking. How do you know I speak English? And then they were like, do you want to have some rosé with us? And I was like, yes. And so I ended up having this like really magical night with this group of people. And I ended up hooking up with one of the dudes. And it was this thing. I didn't end up sleeping with him because I was like not feeling it. But I wanted to fool around and I was just, and luckily I happened to pick a man who didn't assault me. He said, cool, just just hands and mouths. Great. And I was pretty drunk and I was like, and then we like snuggled in the morning and then he like got me a cab home. So it's a combination, I think, of just curiosity, openness, like a clear willingness and then extreme fucking luck. Oh gosh. I love that. I love it. To better sex. To better sex.